and talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex, and we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways to do this is by reading God's Word and talking about it. One tool that we're using at Messiah Lutheran Church to read God's Word is the three-year Bible reading plan put together by some of our members, and I get to be a pastor here. Isn't that awesome? And with me today is another pastor who's going to help me talk about God's Word, Paul Horstmeyer. Paul, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so, yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm a new pastor. Just got ordained a few months ago, and I'm at Concordia Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas, not too far from you. Uh, and I am very happily married. Been married for a few years now. We have a a daughter uh, who just turned one last Saturday, so we had her first birthday, and that was uh, lots Ooh, of fun. Cool. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying getting settled into ministry here, and uh, excited to talk about some scripture with you. Awesome. Well, we um, are covering the readings from October third today. Uh, through October 9th, and uh, we're just going to focus on the, the Second Samuel passages, and that's Second Samuel chapter 17 through 20. So, Paul, give us a brief summary of what's happening here, a little Spark Notes version, version of what's going on. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, lots of things going on, so I'll do my best, but uh, so you guys, you know kind of what happened in the few chapters leading up to this. You know, things are pretty pretty rocky, pretty turbulent in uh, the kingdom of Israel. David's trying to keep everything together, and he's had kind of some ongoing uh, problems with one of his sons, Absalom. Absalom's trying to uh, kind of take over the throne and kick his dad out, and he's sort of planted a bunch of seeds of, of discord and everything, and now he he's kind of taken over Israel, and he you know, forced his father, David, to, to flee, and uh, but then David kind of has a plan to try and uh, put things back uh, the way that they should be. And uh, he, he kind of has this plan that involves two advisors. Uh, and the advisors' names are uh, Hushai and Ahithophel. Now, uh, normal everyday names, of course. But yeah. uh, so <laughs> now Hushai is uh, loyal to David. So he's kind of the, the one who's sent undercover to pretend to be loyal to Absalom. Uh, and then while Ahithophel, who used to be loyal to David, has now decided to take sides with Absalom. So we've got these two advisors, these two people uh, to be in charge. And, and it's here at the scene with the advisors in chapter 17 that, uh, you know, Absalom's, Absalom's downfall starts to come. So, so David tells Hushai, okay, tell Absalom, you know, give him some bad advice, but make it sound really good. And hopefully he'll believe you. Uh, and that's basically what Hushai does. And it works that uh, Ahithophel who had been a trusted advisor, you know, gives them, gives Absalom some very sound advice on what to do next. And Absalom should have listened to it, but instead Hushai comes along and, and gives him this uh, flowery uh, advice and a flowery story of what he should do. And Absalom's kind of blinded by this and he listens to it and it's eventually his downfall. And, and Ahithophel told Absalom, all you need to do is take care of your father, David, because he's ultimately the problem. Whereas Hushai says, you know what? You need to have a glorious battle, a glorious victory. So why don't you round up all your men and go out and just wipe out all of David's men, have an all-out battle. 
So instead of taking maybe the, the easy route, Absom wanted the route, you know, that would uh, inflate his pride a little bit by having a, a big victory. So uh, he tries that and, and it fails. And actually uh, with, when, when Absalom's men kind of went out to go fight and find uh, King David and his men, uh, David's men go out, and David was going to go out to fight him, but instead he was advised to stay behind to stay safe, which is probably good, uh, because Absalom, he went out to fight, and he did not make it out alive. Uh, and yeah. actually, it's pretty oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, this I remember remembering this story when I first heard it as a kid, and it uh, I think it scarred me a little bit because it was so, <laughs> just seemed so, so crazy because, uh, you know, he's riding his mule. It says Absalom's riding his mule, and... Uh, his hair gets caught in the tree uh, in a branch above him. And he's kind of just dangling there, suspended in midair. And, <laughs> you know, sort of just a city duck for all of David's men. And they're like, what should we do? And uh, David's main advisor, you know, his commander in chief basically says, uh, you know what, if you guys can't decide, I'm just going to uh, end this myself. And he, you know, kills him right there as he's hanging from the tree. So, so Absalom's defeated. And all the men that are following Absalom are defeated. And word gets back to David about this. You know, in a way, it was a victory that David's men won. David was now safe. But uh, in a way, it was also kind of a, a, a sign or a thing to be uh, grieved because the enemy was, you know, David's own son. And so Absalom was killed. And when, when David receives this news, while they were hoping he would take it as a good thing, he you know, I was just grieved over the fact that it, it meant that his son was was killed. So David mourns his loss. He grieves his loss. And then uh, after that, it's kind of like, okay, David's now the guy. Uh, how do we, how is he sort of going to regain everyone's favor and regain control of the throne? And throughout this, there's sort of rivalries between um, the people who, followed Absalom, but now are trying to return and sort of grovel for, for mercy. And David, being the merciful guy he is, he, he extends mercy, he shows kindness and forgives all the men who had betrayed him. Uh, but then, of course, the men who had stayed loyal to David the whole time were sort of upset at this because they're like, hey, we, we're loyal to you, and these guys just come back mm -hmm. in and you're just going to act like nothing happened. Uh, so then that, that sparks more rivalries and, and more bitter feelings and sort of continues to divide the groups. And of course, you know, the kingdom is, I guess, officially united at this point, but you can already see where it's eventually going to be uh, fully divided, that these northern men of Israel and the southern men of Judah are starting to, you know, there's got, got going to be some bad blood between yeah. them. But uh, eventually, uh, David, King David does return to his throne. He physically returns to the throne. And, uh, but then of course, Another guy comes up, his name is Sheba, <laughs> and Israel does what it does best, and it turns and betrays David. They follow this guy, Sheba, uh, but eventually, with the help of a, a wise woman uh, and her advice, um, Joab and uh, David's men figure out how to uh, get rid of this guy, Sheba, and sort of squash the rebellion. So so that's kind of the long and short of it. Lots of fighting, lots of rivalry. Oh, yeah. Lots of Lots of bitterness. Uh, and it ends with the guy's head getting thrown over a wall. So yes. There you go. I, 
I don't know if the must have taken the guy who could have uh, thrown the the highest or the farthest or something. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. All right. But thank you for a wonderful uh, summary, uh, Paul. I really appreciate that. What stood out to you in particular? Uh, What things really struck you as you were reading um, these sections of Scripture? So I think the first thing that really stuck out was the whole bit with the two advisors. Yeah. Um, Ahithophel and Hushai. And, and in a way, I mean, like we, we knew going from chapters, I think like 15 and 16, that uh, David had prayed for Ahithophel's advice to uh, <laughs> basically fail. Please <laughs> let for, it be bad, Lord. Yes. Let it flounder. Uh, and that's, that prayer is fulfilled that God answers yeah, that because Absalom doesn't listen. But, but really too, I think it's also a, a, a war, sort of something that we can learn from, a, you know, Ahithophel, he gives kind of really sound advice. It's very to the point. It's very logical. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was kind of the best way of attack for Absalom. If Absalom would have listened to Ahithophel, then, you know, could have been a different story. Uh, but instead of listening to the sound advice that maybe wasn't very um, eloquent, uh, instead Absalom listens to the very eloquent, uh, rhetorically powerful mm. and impressive advice um, that kind of fed his pride and his ego a little bit. Yeah. And you know, it's more of what he wanted to hear that oh, if you if you take out all of David's men, you'll be you know uh, heralded as uh, you know the greatest of all and and all this. And Hushai uses some really colorful language to try and. Uh, hammer that home. And I think it's, you know, a warning that, you know, uh, we shouldn't always be so easily swayed by, you know, people who maybe sound impressive, but ultimately focus on, okay, what are they, what, what's the substance of what they're actually saying? Mm. Uh, And I think that was a perfect way of that kind of being illustrated. And I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, So that was at least uh, one thing. And I think another thing too is, (laughs) <laughs> man i uh, i like to say uh, i respect you but i do not envy you and that's that's exactly <laughs> what i would say to king david if i could because yeah, right. i respected him but boy i did not envy him because yeah. trying to manage even god's people and god's kingdom it was like this is you could make this into a tv series you and could it would that's be what we've I mean, said on the show a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm a big yeah, Netflix man. guy. I've, I uh-huh. love watching TV shows. So yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. Right. So. Right. You call it God's kingdom or something. You can run, make five, six seasons out of it. Uh, Cause there's, <laughs> there's a lot here and it's so true. And it's, it's like, I, I man, and all the people that you trust that betray you and, and trying to do all that. So um, really seeing just the, I don't know, the, the, the realness of the Bible mm-hmm. and how it doesn't hold back with showing the good, the bad, the ugly, I yeah. think. Um, it's just really pretty interesting. Yeah, something that stood out to me was David's actions toward the people who end up, you know, kind of groveling for mercy. You know, even the guy who uh, was like a relative of Saul um, who had thrown dust at him and rocks. And earlier Dave was like, oh, you know, I got bigger fish to fry, man. Like, let's don't worry about this guy. And then he still says, like, who are you to me? You know, because he, he, he doesn't care. Um, and that's really interesting to me is that 
before David cared. He, in the chapters before this, he was so angry at Absalom. He was mm. just so angry at Absalom. Absalom, when he finally returned to Jerusalem, lived in a whole different building for two years. They didn't see each other for two years. Then they finally see each other, and then he, Absalom starts this whole conspiracy or... Um, yeah, this conspiracy to, to this coup to take over the throne. And then, you know, when it's all said and done, I think David suffered enough. Like, well, David had to flee and he was at, at the end of chapter 16, it was kind of at more of a place of repentance. And so you do kind of see this reversal in between last, um, be, between last week's episode and this week's episode with David kind of showing more of a merciful heart, more of a repentant heart. And, um, right. yeah, but so that, so that's really interesting. And, and, uh, what stood out to me when you were talking about how the, the men of Judah were like, or the men loyal to David were saying, Hey, we've been loyal to you this whole time. And, and, and you're just allowing these guys in. It really pointed me to Christ and kind of his, you know, story of, the the workers in the vineyards like you know the workers who work all day long they get paid just as much as the workers who were brought in at the last minute uh to work the vineyard and and i think it was about the vineyard yes but, um, yes 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 and no, um it, you know exactly. and they're like hey we we worked all day long and we got paid just as much as those guys who work three minutes like and and David, we we have been loyal to you since you were running away from Saul, since you uh, were a king in, uh, uh, man, what was the name of the place? I think it was Horeb or, um, uh, man, it was started with an H, but it was a different city than Jerusalem before he made it the capital, and uh, he was a king mm-hmm. there, and they anointed him for a second time, and they, you know, always acknowledged him and. And they're like, David, you know, Joab's been with David forever. Joab was at the middle of the conspiracy against Uriah the Hittite um, when he David had to get rid of Uriah because he couldn't cover up his sin with Bathsheba. Mm. And Joab has been doing David's dirty work for exactly. years now. And mm. uh, and then David's allowing in this, this relative of Saul who's cursing him and, and doing all this stuff and... So that, that really stood out to me is, is David's posture of mercy. Um, and, and it's really Joab who's, I mean, Joab is like, whoo, Joab, Joab is, he's, he's a tough guy and he, he is a man of war. So, and he's the one that throws the three javelins into Absalom, Absalom just dangling there and and uh, they're like, what do we do? What do we do, man? You know, David's going to be so mad. And it kind of took me back to uh, when David's first child with Bathsheba was going to die. Uh, they knew the child was sick and they were um, scared and unsure of how to tell the news to the king. So once again, we see this conflict surrounding how to give news to David because apparently mm-hmm. he was a very emotional guy, hence the Psalms, and he yes. just didn't seem to take news very well. Uh, but he was just he he was extreme and, and and expressed himself fully, and so that's what strikes me about King David, 
It's just a very real person, very real with God, very um, real in his his sin and his fall, and very, you know, real in his repentance and turning around and being merciful and kind of, get, you know, returning back to the the days of when Saul pursued him, that kind of mercy. Uh, that That's the yeah. David that we, it, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, you know, you, you know someone and you're like, yeah, that's the person I know, or that's the person I met 20 years ago. Yeah, I see them again, you know, and kind of that future glory or that, that glory of God being shown through David that's kind of returning again uh, mm. through his mercy. So th- that kind of stood out to me, um, in, especially at the end when people are like, uh, this is awkward. Uh, now, now David's the king. And, and I think they yeah. kind of knew that, you know, um, I forget who it was, but somebody at, at some point in these, these chapters said, you know, David is, or I think it was a, a Hipposhel or however you say his name. Right. Um, Ahithophel. Uh, Ahithophel. Yeah. yeah. I think it, I think it was him that said, you know, David is, is he, he's good at war. Like you got to be careful, man. Mm. He's really good at this stuff, you know, and David's been fighting for years and years and years. And so I think all the people know that, uh, even though Absalom like won their hearts, I think at that point, once Absalom and the fighting men were just completely destroyed, they knew it was over. And so that's where you see all the people just, you know, kind of bowing down and saying, you know, have mercy on me, please. And, and David is kind of shows what leadership is about. It's, it's leading, you know, all the people, regardless of how much they really like you and, and just being faithful to your calling, your position. So, yeah, boy, uh, that's a great point with with leadership. Do, leading, I know for me personally, I'd have a really hard time uh, trying to, you know, lead when I know that people had uh, concretely demonstrated that they would turn on me if they could. You know, if someone else yeah. came along and yet still stepping back into that position uh, of trying to keep unity and uh, yeah. kind of keep keep uh, the kingdom strong is uh, that. He, he showed, yeah, it takes not only being, uh, you know, valiant and, and strong, but also uh, merciful. And mm-hmm. yeah, that is a, a really good thing to remember. Yeah. It's a good example for that. Yep. Yep. So um, what was concerning or confusing for you as you read? Um, I mean, you know, just th- throughout, I think, like I kind of mentioned how, just how ruthless uh, people were, especially, especially Joab. And, you know, he was yeah. David's right hand man, like <laughs> you said, but man, that guy was like, you did not want to get on his bad list because uh, it would not end well for you probably. And, and especially when, I mean, the, the crazy scene that, you know, I don't even know if David ever finds out uh, when the Sheba guy yeah. Um, yeah. starts that rebellion and they go out after him and, um, like, because there was that little time in the middle of these uh, chapters where uh, David, uh, because, because again, there was, you know, first Israel was, you know, had to grovel and beg for mercy and David gives it and Judah was the loyal ones. Then it kind of switched where when it was time for David to regain the throne, 
the Israelites were the first to say, hey, David, you should go reclaim yep. the throne. Um, whereas Judah, they kind of sat on their hands a little bit and they weren't so, you know, quick to, you know, re reinstall David to the throne. So then David takes that kind of personally. And he, instead of, he kind of replaces Joab, he replaces him with that guy Amasa. And yep. it, only for a little bit because uh, <laughs> not long after Amasa's stated as the right hand man, when they, when Joab and Amasa lead the men, David's troops out to go and take care of Sheba, there's that little scene of Joab kind of secretly uh, pretending to be <laughs> friendly to Amasa. Hey, he, man. He, yeah. Takes him by the beard, uh, stabs him. Yeah. And it's like, uh, kind of like, it reminds me of like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Russell Crowe and Gladiator in mm. the um the final battle. He's about to go up, he's chained in and and you know, they're gonna the guy, you know, trying to gain power. Um the guy played by Joaquin Phoenix, the the Roman guy, and then mm. of course Russell Crowe's character, uh, I think Maximus Oh no wait. Ah oh, man, Maximus the not Maximus Aurelius. Um, no, yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, Mac, uh, isn't it Maximus? Because there's there's well, uh, Maximus Aurelius. Well, oh, Marcus Aurelius. Marcus is, Aurelius. Yeah, is yeah. the guy that he um, is. Uh, yeah, Marcus Aurelius is. I, I think he, his name. But anyways, he's he's going up, dad. and then uh-huh. yeah, he just stabs him in the head, and he's like, Shh. "Smile for me, brother." <laughs> <laughs> yep and Joe was probably like smile for me brother <laughs> yeah and, uh, exactly yeah. That, that scene was probably inspired by yeah Joab uh, uh, yeah probably yeah. there you go probably um, um who who knew that watching Gladiator now I have an excuse to watch Gladiator because exactly great movie um one thing that I did you know wrestle with that was a little um concerning for me well you know and concern is is an interesting word you know it's just it just means like wrestled with and struggled with a little bit was the scene between joab and david when joab rebukes david and Mm. i was really on joab's side like i gotta admit i really empathize with joab because he's saying dude okay it's your son man fine fine but Come on, man. Like, this guy, look what your son did to you. Look what your son did to you. And um, we see this playing out all the time, you know. Like, it's hard for... You know, I, we talked in the last episode about familial bonds that God designed being hard to break, even with so much sin messed up and, 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 and placed into those familial relationships. It's hard to just break those bonds. You know, it's like for David, even though like he harbored such hate and anger toward his son, then he mourned over his son and he battled his son and his, you know, all this stuff. And even though his son did terrible things and, you know, dishonored his father, he was like, he's still my son. And, uh, right. You know, and, and I can also, right. I can also even sympathize with that because it's like, you know, if I had a situation like that, you know, it's still my son. It's still my son and I love him. And, um, it's still my son. But, but at the same time, there's also that, you know, that feeling of like Joab's like, I'm with you, Joab, because, you know, consequences need to happen. And I think that's, 
kind of uh, symbolizes or represents the struggle and and reality that we experience in our world today. We kind of have been talking about in our Bible study time after our sermon series about uh, the two realms, the right-hand realm and where the gospel rules and and the left-hand realm where justice is the goal and and the law rules. And so, you know, you rule by the sword and punishment is is dealt out and death is the wage of sin in the left-hand realm. But the gospel uh, wins the day and and rules and, and gives out grace and mercy and says, this is my son. This is still my right. son. And, yes. uh, and both happen at the same time. Mm. And it's not until Jesus returns that both, that, that truly the, the right hand, that, that the gospel will, um, and that grace and that justice and peace will officially become totally unified and totally in a perfect way as well. So, right. Yeah. So. But yeah, you're right. And in this world, it's like, yeah there's 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 real there's real tension there and yeah yeah and i and i actually had i had uh similar thoughts with joab it's like he's he's got starting to see okay when it comes to david it seems like blood isn't through the water like you know family does yeah. mean more than you know loyalty from outside the family and that's that's kind of that's got a burn yeah. yeah especially for a guy who had been so loyal uh it's like and, did your but yeah it's like work this, man yeah i've been there since the start and you know this kid been nothing but trouble for you. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it is so interesting. I think, you know, like you said, it's, it's kind of a picture of God's love that, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, the mercy is never deserved. The grace is always, yeah, it's undeserved. And we love that when it's shown to us, but we have a hard time when it's that same level of undeservedness when it's shown to others. And, yeah. Um, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, but, uh, Oh, and, you saying, you know, your Bible study time after service. I got to say, uh, I meant to that. I loved uh, being at your, being at your church, being at Messiah, getting, yes. the, getting the fill in. It was awesome. Meeting some people Thank there. You. Yeah. Oh, and how is, uh, how's Judah doing? How's Judah's doing well. Um, he, we got to take him home a day later than we wanted to. So I was mad and my wife was sad when we found out that we had to stay an extra day in the hospital. Mm. Um, so that's not fun, but uh, he, we're glad that it happened because it was necessary. It was good. Um, and uh, it kind of remind you know, like he's doing well now. He's gaining weight. Uh, we'll find out what he weighs tomorrow. He has another, his second doctor appointment. Uh, you know mm. how many doctor, there's a bunch of doctor oh, appointments yeah. in the first like you know, a few months of their lives. And so he's right. doing well and he's super cute cause he is kind of tiny. So his head didn't get, you know, mushed up and ugly. Like mm. a lot of babies do like, well, okay. All right, fine. But my son <laughs> Jax was certainly not like, I wouldn't say he was like cute, cute when he was first born, but my son Judah was, he was cute right away. So, mm. um, but it kind of reminds me, I'm going to use that as a segue. So Ooh, nice. the nurse practitioner came into our hospital room on Sunday, like morning sometime, all the time blurs together when you have a new child Yes, and, um, including several weeks afterwards. Um, mm. but the nurse practitioner came in and she's coming into the room and she kind of has that look on her face where she sort of breathes in and then mm. takes a little bit of a sigh of relief, like, ah, 
you know, like, uh, I'm so sorry. You know, like I could tell that she felt bad for us. And while she had news that we didn't want to hear, Mm. it was still good news Mm. because it meant that our son was getting the exact care that he needed that they knew exactly, you know, his bilirubin levels were were a little high, and so they needed to keep him for another day to get that down and make sure he was okay. And that was really good news. You know, that was really good news, especially compared to the loss that we have suffered, you know, a year and a half ago. Like, right. you know, we have a healthy, uh, honestly, a healthy son. He he, his situation was never critical. Um, it's get, it was even better. And the nurse practitioner came in and honestly, she had good news when we really look at it, when we really realize what was going on, we just didn't want to hear it because we really wanted, I mean, and ultimately it's also good news. (laughs) I accidentally hung up on you. That's okay. I believe you're saying that uh, we didn't want to hear it. Yeah. And we didn't want to hear this news, but uh, it was, it was really, it was good news. It was good for Judah. It was, it was good for our family. It is still good news to be able to say, Hey, your son's healthy enough to finally go home. And it kind of reminds right. me though, of these two guys, Ahamaz and, Oh, I guess, Right. I, uh, two, oh, I, the I wish Kushite. I had the phonetics. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean we know how to pronounce every yeah, word in the Bible. Anything. We just make it up. Yeah. That's the trick. Yeah, exactly. Everyone. All right. Yeah, so uh, I think his name. <laughs> 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 All right. What is it? I think. Um, Ahamaz. Yeah. And then the Ahamaz and the Kushite. So Ahamaz and the Kushite, they're. I don't know. This was a little confusing to me. It's like, okay, why is Ahamaz trying to outrun the Kushite. I think maybe because the Kushite's going to give him the news that is like he thinks is good news. Like your son's dead. Yay. The war's over. And right. Ahamaz knows better. And he's like, you don't say that to David. He's kind of an emotional guy. He wrote a bunch mm. of Psalms and everything. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, I'm going to outrun this guy and bring good news. And, and they even say like, oh, it's Ahamaz. <laughs> it's going to be good news. It's going to be great news, you know. Mm. And honestly, a nurse practitioner coming in. I'm like, oh, nurse practitioner. Yes, yes. She's going to tell us we're going to get to go home today. Woo, mm. You know. Um, but uh, so, so it's interesting because and that's just my little personal story that segues into this story where there it was good news that justice had been done that the right thing that needed to be done was done that the kingdom was fine was going to be able to find peace again that there was going to be less discord and less conflict in that way it wasn't good though that david son was was dead and and death right. is never it came a good with thing. the cost yeah well death is never a good thing even mm. though in the left hand realm in the world you can throw the javelin uh, sometimes and there will be times where you have to throw the javelin in and you have to rebuke people for for you know not you know enacting the justice that they should 
uh, for those who deserve it, like Joel right. did for David and, and that kind of thing. And it's all going to be mixed together. But it's mm-hmm. um, interesting because this kind of segues also into what gives hope, because um, there's that passage that Paul quotes, I think from Isaiah or something that says, you know, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And this is exactly what he's referring to in the culture of the day is he's referring to people like Ahamaz or the Cushite who would herald, who were, who were called heralds of uh, during wartime or something like that. They are bringing good news. They are bringing news that peace has been accomplished. The war is over and their feet would be uh, bloodied and marred and torn up because they were running and running and running without, you know, they weren't being careful. They were probably getting cut up from all the branches or whatever Mm -hmm. and all the rough terrain and, and, and everything like that. And so their feet would have been like really dirty, really bloody, really nasty, but yet their feet are beautiful, metaphorically speaking, because they bring and bear good news and peace. Uh, good news of peace and happiness um, that will be for all the people. And so that's what Paul is talking about. Like how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, and I, I I think of the feet of Jesus that, that were bloodied and marred and, and yet they brought good news. They brought peace. It wasn't good that he died a death that he didn't deserve necessarily. And yet at the same time, it's good news because justice has been served just in a different way uh, according to God's will and his plan. Um, So that's kind of uh, reminded me a little bit about that passage and and how we also bear good news into the world. Um, Sometimes it's not going to be what people want to hear. Sometimes it's going to be hard for us to deliver that news. Um, Sometimes it's going to be uh, just news that we have a moment where it's just a joyous moment to share that good news. Or it's you know, going to take a long time before we get to share good news of Jesus with somebody. But that's kind of the picture that we have is we're running a race and we are sometimes going to feel exhausted. Um, but Jesus did that for us. And so we get to be the bearers, the heralds of good news so right uh yeah i think that's a a really cool connection with with bringing news and for us today and and honestly and this this whole account with amaz and the kushite it took me i had to read over a few times to get exactly (laughs) what was going on why are they running so much (laughs) yeah what one out ran the other uh and um but i did see too uh, you know to take it one step further of like um from what I could gather, like Ahamas, you know, he was, yeah, he was really excited to bring the good news, uh, but he maybe wasn't excited to bring mm. uh, the, the bad news, like the right. inevitable bad news mixed in there. Uh, and actually he, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he no, didn't no. Uh, tell, tell uh, David. Cause <laughs> when David like, asked, is it well with this. the young man Absalom? Yeah. He's like, is my son okay? Basically he's like, well, when Joab sent the king's servant, uh, I saw a great commotion, a commotion, but I don't know what it was. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Ahamaz actually knew. Yeah, yeah, so he just didn't want to, again, like you said, 
David, not always great at, you know, again, that would be hard news for anyone to take, yeah. but, you know, didn't want to be, um, and maybe he didn't want to be the reason Ooh. that if David yeah. was going to ask, well, who killed him? Then if they'd say Joab, because, you know, didn't want to be the reason that Joab would be killed. So, so who knows? But ultimately, um, you know, it, it kind of serves as a lesson that it was only with the Kushite. And again, the Kushite was very, um, you know, he gave it, he gave it to him easy uh, that he said, you know, he presented the bad news in the way that um, kept his focus kind of mm. on the bigger picture. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, he said, made, yeah, so, but I think it's, I don't know, it's helpful for me to remember because I have a hard time being, um, or at least remembering that, like, yeah, sometimes you need to say the hard stuff um, so that, you know, the things that are, are good and that people, you know, would ultimately want to hear so that they can really hear it. Like, we have to, we have to give the whole truth. You know, mm. not just the truth that maybe is easier to kind of take in. Sometimes yeah. the truth can be challenging. Um, and while Ahamaz maybe was more like me and would rather not not tell people. I'm with Ahamaz. Uh, something, yeah, I'm right? with him, man. Just a couple of softies over here. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, you and I know and, and all of us, you know, ultimately realize that. Yeah, I mean, just like that nurse to tell you, you know, what you ultimately you didn't want to hear that part but to still give you kind of the whole truth the whole picture of things uh and you can present the bad news in a way that brings you to see the bigger picture and the good of it but to to not you know for me i was like okay i need to be like the kushite not not as much as ahamas i need to mm. not um withhold the truth just because even if it's going to hurt someone um, yeah. and doesn't mean i go about it right you know just insensitively yeah. because again the kushite does it very tactfully but I mean, it's not like it can't be said. And I, I know I need to remember that. Maybe we all need to remember that of, yeah. you know, like we, we don't want to hold back the truth, even if it might be hard to hear sometimes. Here's the hope with that. I really like that connection. That is so good. Um, thanks for taking that a step further. Jesus knows the whole truth about us and still says, you're still my son. You're still my daughter. Mm. Uh, so we're going to take a break and think on that for just a moment, reflect on that, let that sink in, and we'll, we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. From a short break, uh, Paul, thanks for speaking hope into uh, our lives uh, and just talking about this section of Scripture, which has been so interesting. We've really been taking a lot of lessons from this. Uh, it just kind of shows that God's Word is relevant to our lives today. So how do you see this section of Scripture overall having importance to our lives? Yes, yeah, Um well, you know, there's something that we touched on a bit with that advice from, you know, the two kinds of advice from Ahithophel and then Hushai, uh, and mentioned a bit how Ahithophel's advice was better because it was, you know, logical, it was sound, uh, it was reasonable, and it kind of got right to the heart of the issue. And that's what Absalom should have listened to. What's really interesting is that at the end of the story, in chapter 20, when Joab's trying to defeat um, that guy Sheba, 
that wise woman from the town uh, gives him a word of advice. And she basically gives the same advice that Ahithophel uh, gave. Hmm. And, but this time Joab actually, you know, listens to it. And she says, um, you know, don't destroy the whole town. Uh, only go after, you know, the, the one guy that's causing all the trouble. And of course, as we said, uh, they kill Sheba, throw his head over the wall. But uh, the point, the point <laughs> being that at the beginning and the end of the story, uh, we see uh, two things of advice. And the first time it was not listened to and it ended poorly. And the second time it was listened to and uh, it ended well for the person who had listened to wisdom and heed wisdom. Mm. And I think, you know, overall for us as Christians, you know, we're going to get lots of advice. We have lots of different messages and, and even lots of different um, uh, pastors, lots of things that can sound good and, and sound impressive, but, but ultimately we need to be able to discern, okay, what is, is this sound and good uh, and true, or is there uh, something, you know, missing here? And kind of the, the word that I take from this story is uh, kind of to uh, a, a word of advice that you might've heard other places is to be like the Bereans. Uh, and that's, that's a little phrase that I've seen in different places, but the Bereans, if you remember in Acts, they were the ones, I think it says in Acts 17, that when they, you know, had St. Paul coming to them, telling them about Jesus, they tested everything he told them. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what he said was true. And they're kind of the a shining example of, you know, you're going to get lots of different messages and we need to be able to test those uh, against what we know to be true in scripture. And so for us, with all the, the advice that we get, with all the messages that we get in the world, to, to constantly come back and test those things that we know that we've, that we've learned as we know them in the scriptures. And uh, even with, and that's kind of what we're training up, growing up to do with all these right. reading plans like you guys are doing is uh, becoming familiar with the scriptures, seeing what they have for us. And so to actually use that, the lessons we learned to sort of sift through uh, all the different messages that we get in the world is, is crucial. And we see that playing out all over the story. Yeah, I like that. I think it's perfect, and it reminds me a lot of, you know, Romans 12, where Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can mm. test and approve what is good and pleasing to God. Right. And um, just, you know, Scripture being that, that norm, that foundation for us that we can always turn back to, even even uh, comparing and testing what the, the pastor is saying and what the leaders are saying and what right. um, Hold the, us accountable. the world are, is saying and the culture is telling us to. Um, it, it's, it's there for us to tell us, here's how it really is. And if something else out there is different than that, then you go with Scripture. So... Uh, but yeah, right. uh, thank you for that, Paul. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you about uh, these uh, stories in Second Samuel today. And we always end our show with a random question. And my random question for you today is, mm -hmm. if you could scale up any animal to the size of a horse, <laughs> which animal would that be? Wow. Size of a horse. I thought you were going to say like the size of a skyscraper or something. Uh <laughs> But let's see, size of a horse, okay. Uh, hmm. Boy, you know what? Uh, I think I would do a hamster. A hamster. I don't know why. I think that'd just be hilarious. <laughs> Still with their little feet, but they're, <laughs> they're 
big bodies just kind of yeah. going around everywhere. Uh, and I feel like they'd be hopefully mostly harmless. But yeah, yeah I'd pay to see that for sure. I think I'm going to go with a sloth. Oh, man. Because they would just, you know, they wouldn't move very fast, but it would be so fascinating to watch. Yeah. So, and you see. need a big tree for that thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That is true. I don't know. If, is there a tree that's big enough for this? Well, a sloth the size of a horse? Yeah, I'm sure there is. I, I, I mm. think in my mind I'm picturing a sloth like the size of like five horses. So, anyways. Whoa. Yeah. That's too, don't get carried away. Yeah, let's not get carried away. Yeah. Let's not be like um, Joab. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> listeners, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in today uh, to episode 36. If you want to... F- Email us anything, uh, comments, feedback, questions, things you want us to address. Uh, please do so at growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk with you next time. Paul, thanks for talking with us. Alex, thanks so much for having me. All right. Peace. <laughs>